Welcome to the Liberty Moms podcast. Chris Kimball hosting today. Liberty Moms are the real secretaries of defense when it comes to their communities, their families, and most importantly, their children. And we just finished up an election, midterm, yeah, midterm election 2022 was, uh, happened this last week here in the United States and here in Utah. And we had some really good results in Utah. I know there's been a lot of focus on Florida, and rightly so. Florida had a huge shift in uh, demographics and had a big wet, red wave there in Florida. But we had a really strong um, show in Utah in the fact that our House has picked up three uh, more Republican seats, and we've gotten some amazing new freshman representatives who have been in other Republican strongholds in the state, but they're, they're more, they're conservative minded. And that's what I'm really, really excited about. And one of those particular races is in the area of Layton, Utah, which is North of Salt Lake city. And it has been, it's been a Republican seat for a long, 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 long time. I don't think it's ever been a Democrat seat, uh, when you get out of the Salt Lake metropolitan area, uh, a lot of Utah is going to be red. But what's exciting is the the new representative we have coming from that particular ledge district. And um, Trevor Lee is who my guest is today, and I'm excited that he would join us. And I have to tell Trevor that second to looking at the outcome of the Mike Lee-McMullen race, because there was so much um, misconstruing of what that race was really doing because of the way the media was trying to prop up McMullen, that initially that was my first race that I was going to. But the second race that I looked at, and there were tons of races in the Salt Lake Valley area that I was really following, but the second race I looked at was your race, Trevor, okay, because it was such an anomaly, and we're going to talk about that um, for part of our discussion today. So Trevor, thank you for being my guest and thank you for running for the legislature. Thank you, Chris. I really appreciate you having me on and I'm, I'm really excited for this. So, Yeah, so it, it's, it probably seems like this has been a long, long um, process for you because mm -hmm. this would have started way back in March, right? And you very well may have been thinking about running prior to that. Okay, maybe January or earlier. But when did you decide that you wanted to run? Because you jumped into a race that had a sitting incumbent. And not too many people want to do that, want to run against an incumbent who's been in that seat for a period of time. Mm -hmm. Well, uh, I decided to run back. Well, okay, I had a lot of inclinations to want to run during COVID. So I, with my job, my wife's a nurse, I was really upset with the loss of freedoms that we had, especially in Utah. I know we're touted as 
handling COVID really well. But tell that to all my friends and family who lost their jobs, who were forced to be vaccinated, to my kids who were masked up in school. I mean, it was just crazy the the limitate or the the freedoms that were lost during that time. And, and I really started thinking about getting more involved at that point. And then fast forward to this session of uh, 2022, I went up to the Capitol for a lot of the bills, specifically for parental choice. Uh, I was really concerned uh, with how the education system has been handling uh, their funds with COVID and just the restrictions. And then I got involved more with HB 371, which was an election integrity bill, where there was 30,000 plus signatures. We had six overflow rooms, 200 people online. And I remember sitting there as the bill was shot down uh, by mostly Republicans in the committee. And at that point was when I really decided leaving the Capitol that day that I need to run for office because just gathering signatures or spreading the word seems to not be working. It's the actual people who are making these decisions who are having the biggest impact in our communities now. And so that, that was the day that I decided to run. Now, my race, what helped make it a little easier was the incumbent who I was going up against has a horrible voting record. He has sponsored and pushed some extremely liberal uh, uh, bills. He has always voted very moderate to left-leaning sides with the Democrats. He's, he's the guy who lobbyists and special interests would run to when they wanted a bill done. And that made it a lot easier when I was uh, appealing to the delegates of, uh, who do you want to represent you in this area? And kept come to find out because he hadn't been challenged in at least six years, people were ready for change. They wanted someone conservative to represent our area. And it is a conservative area up here. Uh, we, we dominate the Democrats and, and we're not just Republicans. There's a lot of really conservative people in the Layton, especially now South Weber area too. So I, I uh, was very excited to know that, hey, I've got someone I'm running against who we have a clear contrast in uh, a liberal to left-leaning voting record to someone who I would call myself a, a conservative or as the media and everyone likes to say, a far-right-wing extremist. And uh, I uh, took it to him, and I think he looked at me as just some young kid, didn't take me seriously at convention, uh, rescinded his right to gather signatures, and... Uh, we had a super majority of convention, so off to the general election I was going to go. And then, of course, we all know the news in August when he announced he wanted to run his write-in. So. All right. So we want to we wanna back up on that because I love hearing that it's what prompted you to run. It wasn't like, oh, my gosh, I want to be a legislator and I have this, this goal and I want to be up at the Capitol. It was you saw the legislative body just totally ignore the will of the people because to get that many people into a committee hearing and people that are willing to testify is, I mean, it's such a statement when they, when they have that many show up and when they openly ignore it and just follow their, nope, we've already got our plans in place of what we want to do. I I'm so grateful that you decided you were fed up, that you saw what, what was happening with the process and that there were some problems with our legislature. Cause I mean, Trevor, the legislature is there to serve the people. They mm -hmm. work for us. Okay. And when they ignore us and just decide to run their own agenda and ignore the pleadings of the people, you know, in, in whatever the issue is, I mean, good grief. But anyway, I do want to talk about this because, um, 
your the particular representative that we're talking about, he he sponsored, I think, the red flag bill, the red flag laws against, you know, which infringe on our Second Amendment rights. Uh-huh. I mean, there were bills that were very egregious. I know that he voted on the um, allowing boys, you know, not protecting the girls from having boys play in girls sports. And then he came back later because, you know, he's in the midst of a campaign. He's got somebody running against him. And then he overrode his original vote. Right. With um, and that was only because I was running. Chris. If I wasn't running against him, I guarantee you he would not have voted to override the governor's veto. Yeah. Oh, I, I agree. I mean, it was like, oh, my goodness, I have I've got somebody running against me. I've got to make my record look a little bit better. You know, oh, and he was being questioned on it because in the past, when no one ran against him, he could do whatever he wanted. People could complain. But when there's no challenger, he would just keep moving forward with his um, agenda. And and so when when I was running up against him, I was telling everyone, hey, he just voted no on HB 11. And it kind of, I think, shook him a little bit to the fact where he was now trying to play catch up. And and at the time, there was no reason why he voted no on it. And uh, it was interesting because he was given that opportunity to try to right that wrong, and he took it. He was one of the few who flipped his vote that day before a convention, but it's too late. And and people saw right through it, and they're not buying it. And that was just one of many issues that people didn't agree with. Yeah, this isn't this isn't about a one single issue. This is a historic voting pattern that he's had for a long period of time. Okay, it's not like, oh, he just had a bad year. He's just kind of turned a little bit. No, he's historically had this. And I thought it was really telling on Sunday when I was watching Inside Utah Politics. I'm giving a plug for Channel 4, Glenn Mills. But they had on Brian King. And Brian King, who's one of our more liberal Democrats, he is totally endorsing uh, your opponent, Steve Handy. Oh, you've got to make sure that you write in, here's how you spell his name. Oh my gosh, we need him in the, and it's like, wow, when you become best buds with the Democrats and they're actually endorsing you against the Republican, then you kind of know that he's really not following our platform and following the ideology of a Republican, which is honestly, Trevor, that's okay. It's just get in the other party. Right. Okay. Be honest about it, because his campaign exactly. was was trying to say he was some conservative and a champion of all these things that he wasn't. I mean, he said he was pro Second Amendment, pro female sports. He took a picture with the basketball coach at Davis High, which is his sister. And it was like, oh. come on, like people see through that. And that's just politics. It's dishonest. It's wrong. And you know right. what? If you're proud of your record and what you've done, they come out and say, you know, what? I'm a moderate to left leaning legislator. If that's yes. what you want, then I'm your guy. But that wasn't the case, though. No, no. He was totally misrepresenting himself, plus others in the legislature who were coming to his support once he decided to uh, do the write-in. Um, they well, were. I, I will say this, Chris. There wasn't really, I don't, as far as I know, I didn't see any donations come in from legislators in the House. Okay. The Senate had a bunch who voted, who, who donated to him. All the Democrats did uh, that liked him. I mean, Nate Bolin, Stoddard, all these guys who are far, far left leaning, they all donated to him. And then you had some local people here who are Republicans who, in my opinion, was, I mean, that's just atrocious that they would do it. Um, they, they donated to him as well. And that's because they're friends, quote unquote, friends of his. 
So, you know, take it as you want it. It is what it is, but the friendships well, tend to be very powerful in Utah. Well, and the other point that I want to make in this whole idea that he wasn't willing to accept the voice of the delegates, okay, because that's the way our our country was set up on a representative form of government called a republic. And it trickles down even into the precinct and the caucus levels. And that's how Utah was the last bastion of that um, amazing form of representation was through our caucus convention system. And for our listeners, most of them will know that that was changed back in 2013. And we have now a dual path where the legislators can ignore the delegates and go out and gather signatures and just put themselves on the ballot. And that's caused a lot of problems in Utah. And we've ended up having some very liberal um, people running in the Republican Party and getting elected because, you know, voters think that they're Republicans and they're not. They're just out gathering signatures under the guise of being a Republican. Well, so, that's well, and, and you're right, Chris. The, the, the thing about the, the caucus convention system is delegates typically can't be fooled. Delegates study the candidates. They meet with them one on one. They know it more than anyone else out there. And so I am proud that delegates are allowed to choose who our party's our party nominee is. And when you insert SB 54, like you said, you now are putting the vote out to everyone who doesn't typically stays involved, isn't informed on the issues like a delegate is. And now our party is picking someone uh, that is about money and name recognition. And and look, if if the if the delegates can't decide and there's not a majority of at least you know 60 uh, percent then yeah, it goes to a runoff, and there should only be two candidates in a primary with our Republican Party. And, and you're exactly right. It has destroyed the ability for someone without money or name recognition who's just a solid, good conservative candidate to win in Utah. Everything's about money now. Yeah. And, and we watched it across the board. In Davis County, almost every single person who won a convention besides me lost in the primaries. Like It would have been a completely different group of people who are in office now if we had gone off of just the convention system and it's right. really sad to watch it disenfranchise people to get involved at a, at a very intimate level now because of SB 54. It's, it's very sad. And it's, and I mean, it's why we have our governor now. It's, it's why we have Romney because these people are able to gather signatures and they split the vote with four to five or 10 or however many people want to be on the ballot now. And someone's going to come out with a victory with 30% of the vote. It's, it's, it's horrible. Yeah, it really undermines the liberty of the of the people because the idea was that uh, you have a primary with two people, and the whoever gets fifty percent moves forward. And unfortunately, in the twenty twenty election cycle, we have a governor where sixty sixty six percent of Utahns didn't want him, or Republicans, not Utahns, but sixty six percent of the Republicans didn't want him to be the governor. Right. You know, he wasn't even the choice. He wasn't even the majority choice of the party. And so that's how you end up with a governor who now is, you know, Miss Governor pronoun. He's got his pronoun. He's woke. He's into, you know, promoting he and his wife promote SEL, which is another version of CRT, which is uh, really destroying the, um, uh, what's happening in our education process. And he, he got elected because then when it goes out to the general public, as you mentioned, they're not 
involved enough to really look at the issues. They just kind of look at um, signs and commercials and is it a Republican or a Democrat? Well, this is my value. It's so easy to vote, right? We've sent a ballot to everyone's home. So you're getting tens of thousands of people who are filling out a ballot having no clue who they're voting for. And that's kind of scary to think about. People are deciding our, who is going to lead our form of government and decide our way of life and have no clue what they're doing. I, look, I think everyone should be allowed to vote. Everyone should uh, have that opportunity. It's their right. But when we are trying to let people vote who don't necessarily want to or normally wouldn't be voting, that is that is hurting the people who care and understand the issues. And 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 like you said, if if someone is really that popular or they think they can win, just do what Evan McMullen did, just uh, ran as. Go, go as an independent. Run on the ballot. You don't need to gather signatures. Just sign up. But you know why they don't do that? Because the R next to your name is the most powerful thing in Utah elections. And that's why they have found a way to include themselves in the Republican Party and infiltrate our elections as a, as a local primary uh, party level so that they can then end up winning in the general election, right? Whoever yeah, wins the right. primary wins the general. It's that simple. Yeah. Well, it uh, in your particular situation, as I said on election night, I went ex- I went directly to your race, and and uh, Senator Weiler had been on TV with Brian King, and and he was saying how hard it is uh, for a write-in candidate, especially in a larger race, alleged district, and so um, he knew that it was going to be kind of uphill for for um, Steve Handy to, to make that happen. But I thought, you know, what's interesting is I think sometimes these legislators and senators and these, you know, people that get elected, uh, they, they become, they get into kind of their own echo chamber and they kind of think they're a little bit more um, popular or well-known than what they really are. Right. Because I think even um, the, the former speaker who ran for governor, you know, here he is, Speaker of the House, and if you're involved in politics, you know who he is. But mm-hmm. outside of the Capitol, Greg Hughes, who's that? You, right. you know what I mean? And so when he decided that, you know, I've had this seat for, I don't know how many terms, seven, eight terms, I, I think he thought, you know, people know me. I'm, I'm the representative. And so somehow he got intel that said he could win as a write-in or else that was the story he was telling everyone, <laughs> you know, vote for me. Cause I think I can win, you know, anyway, write my name in. And, um, you know, he, he didn't do very well. Well, and, and, and he would have, right. Cause you know, he was surging towards the end as people became more aware of who he was and started learning about him. And, and you're exactly right. It is the, it is the biggest problem that we have is, most people are not involved in our elections. They tend to not care. They don't. They don't understand the issues. And and you know what? Um, I, I I hate that there are people out there who prey upon that. They prey upon that issue. Mm-hmm. And uh, for for my opponent, it didn't work for him because to write in someone's name, you have to put forth effort. You have to actually know what you're doing. And even without raising me almost four to one, you know, he had a hundred thousand dollars for this small little race, just dug into his campaign from the lobbyists and special interests. And with his name recognition and 12 years under his name, plus eight on the city council before that, it still wasn't enough on the right hand side. 
But more importantly than that, Chris, the reason why he lost is his voting record. I knocked thousands of doors for this race. And we knew we would win based on that because the consensus was like seven to one on what people wanted. It, it, it's not what Steve has been voting for. They wanted something new. They want to change. They wanted lower taxes. They don't want red flag gun laws. They don't want biological males in female sports. They don't want, you know, warrantless bell stuff. They don't want how he's for um, less parental choice in schools or getting rid of the pledge of this is on and on. And, and, and the average everyday person who would listen and understand that would go, yeah, I'm not going to vote for him. And then you talk about the other side of things like what you said earlier with the Democrats supporting him. That was enough for a lot of people too. You're saying the Democrats are backing him. They're trying to yeah. help him in this race. That was a no brainer for a lot of people. So, okay, you got my vote. And, and so I, I, uh, I'm glad that people ended up voting for me like they said they would. But I'm also sad that Steve wasted the party's time and money for this race. There were some swing districts around the area, specifically just up the road for mine. Jill Colford was running against uh, Dr. Lesnar. That was a very important race. What if we didn't have to put $100,000 into Steve's race or have all these people go there and they could have donated to Jill and she could have won her race? Right. It was exactly. such a selfish, selfish thing to do. I couldn't believe it. And then on top of that, to run an extremely dirty line campaign, that was like the icing on the cake there of like, wow, you've lost all respect for anything that you've done in your public service for people is gone. And that oh. you're pushing so hard to try to get back in the office says a lot about what you're actually doing here. And, and, I, and I would normally say, hey, let's move forward. Congratulations. Um, but no, people need to know. This was a very, very dirty race that was run against me. And there was a lot of people that uh, need to be called out for what they did. We had a commissioner in our, my race here who sent out a letter lying to everyone saying that I was censured by my party and reprimanded by House leadership. That is a lie. So that was that was Commissioner Bob Stevenson, who's a Republican yep. in our area. And that is ridiculous. He should be censured himself for doing stuff like that. And then you have on top of all the attacking with the delegates that was going on constantly. Steve was always coming out and saying, oh, it was the delegates fault why I'm not on the ballot. Wow. What a, what a big implication that you do not care about the caucus or these delegates who are your neighbors, friends, people in your ward. That that was bad. And uh, it says a lot about someone when they do things of that sort. And, 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 and what came out on top here for this race was conservative values, principles, people wanting change. And, and now it's time to go to work and help push some good policies forward here in Utah. Well, you, you have really exposed, because um, being in Salt Lake, I wasn't privy to a lot of the um, information that was being sent out against your against you and the whole idea that he had already been eliminated and then he was jumping in as a write-in against a, a sitting Republican who had already gotten the nominee from the Republican party was violating some bylaws I'm sure in the Republican party up there I yeah. mean, because yeah. you can't just go and go rogue and say well we don't care what the party just did because the party is the one that gets to determine who their nominee is, the Davis County Republican Party. He just totally ignored all that and just said, I don't care. It's about me. Like you said, it's very selfish. It was just about him. And he goes, I'm going to ignore 
what the party just did and that they have a nominee and I'm just going to write in anyway. And unfortunately, um, I don't think there was any um, leadership in the Davis County Republican Party that um, spoke out against that or censured that or said they they did the bare minimum. It was send the money, little post, little thing here and there. But, you know, I was attacked more by my own party than they would attack him for the things that he did. And that was frustrating. You know, the establishment, they protect their own. And, and it shows people where they stand on issues. Uh, <clears throat> you know, Steve had every right to run a, a writing campaign. That's fine. Anyone can run. If you think you're going to win, I say whatever, go for it. But to attack the party system, to attack um, the people who are in your area, like it just, it went about it in such a distasteful way. And and it was frustrating. I mean, he, he should have said, look, like, I'm going to do this, but I'm going to fund this myself, right? I don't want Republicans to donate to me. I want them to help other races. Like, there was a much better way to go about this if you really wanted to run the writing campaign, which, once again, he had every right to do. But it just was, it was just, the, the, like, it was such a selfish way to go about it. And and it's it's frustrating that there were other Republicans that helped him. And, and another part, too, that was exposed, Chris, is not just, like, the bad I wouldn't say the bad Republicans, but the media, the media who went full in for him was absolutely ridiculous. The airtime, the free publicity that, you know, just like they did with Evan McMullen, you've got a chance. He can do this. Like, I know it's an uphill battle, but here we go. Like, it's just, it's disgusting. And, and it's activism. It's, it's not, it's not actually media and, and it needs to, it needs to stop. And I hope it exposed them for what they did. And, and we actually need more conservative media here in Utah. It's a big problem we have. We don't have any major publications anymore that support conservatives and their values. Everything now goes moderate to left-leaning. And and we need someone that can expose this stuff for what it is. I mean, how does the Desert News get away with telling everyone that Evan McMullen has a chance to win? I mean, that was a lie. There was no yeah. chance. Mike's internal right. polling had him up 12 to 16 points the whole time. And that's what he ended up winning by. And and you would see an opinion piece or an article almost every other day touting how they wanted Evan. And, and I would see a lot of that in my race, too. There's a lot of similarities here. When the media picks someone that they want, they go all in for them. And, it's, and, it's, and we can see it. It's not like it, this is, they're being very hidden with this stuff. And it, it's how they write. It's how they come across because they'll say, oh, even after, even after McMullen got his, his butt kicked, okay, they were they were touting how close the race was. This is the closest race we've ever seen. And oh my goodness, this was so, you know, and it's like, no, this is not a close race. Double digits. Sorry. I know you want it to be close. Nope. But uh yeah, and I was I was hearing that too, even on local media, KNRS was really bending over backwards to give Steve Handy airtime. And and nope. I was just like, uh, a writing candidate? When has that ever happened? You know, when do writing candidates get all this media? Right? Well, and, and the publicity was always totally skewed toward him. So I had some interesting things happen. You know, they, they would try to expose anything they could about my life or me because of, of my, my values that I believe in, whether it's traditional marriage, whether it's we shouldn't mutilate children who are under 18, things that I feel like are common sense and good and evil arguments here. But because they don't agree with that, you know, the Salt Tribune would go all in. They would try to launch hit pieces they would make up lies. They would slander me. And what about Steve, though? 
no one ever in the media called him out. He he called a black man, a white supremacist and white nationalist. And I did, I, I'm sure you maybe never even heard about that. That should have been all over the place. A 70-year-old sitting incumbent called a black man a white nationalist. Who was that? Did he, was that Burgess? Yeah. No, John John Harvey, who's head of CAFE or was Blexit of Utah. Oh, oh yes, yes, I do remember that. So where yeah. that should be all over the place. But you know what? Yeah. It was swept right under the rug. No one ever uh, usually questioned him on it. Uh, yeah. No one questioned him on the distactful, distasteful things. Like they sent out a text in my area that I wanted to euthanize old people. Like it was so ridiculous and how desperate they were. But that, mm-hmm. the media should have been all over that. Like, hey, obviously, Steve, this is a lie. Like, come on. Like you're better than this. And, and that's, that's just when you see the desperation. They're trying so hard to win. And, and it was so interesting to see the bias in that, just like with Evan McMullen. It was the exact same way, the free airtime. And without that, I don't think the races would have even been close. I, yeah. I, think, I think Mike would have won by 20-plus points without the media's help on Evan's side. And I think I would have won by way more, too, if the media wasn't all in for him. You know, it's almost, insu- it, I mean, it is insulting when they stoop to such ridiculous, um, exaggerated attacks to think that people are just going to believe that, you know, like just so ridiculous. But uh, I hope, I know our listeners are a lot more astute, but I hope others are starting to see that here's, here's the deal. I mean, Way back in 2016, when, you know, Trump was the unknown and he had come from more of a liberal um, background with, you know, with abortion and all this stuff. And it, it just came down to, because I was a, I was a national delegate and I was actually a presidential elector. But what I finally had to end up doing was looking at policy and not personality. And then I just looked at what the media was doing. And I thought, man, they do not want him. They don't want him in a bad way. And I thought, okay, I don't ever agree with the media. So I'm thinking I probably, I probably need to vote for him because the media hates him. They're attacking him so relentlessly. And that's honestly what really made me able to go ahead and vote for Trump. And uh, because it was the way the media had turned on him. Because prior to the primary, they had given him so much airtime and they were propping him up because I think they thought he was a joke that, oh, he'll just be the worst candidate. He'll be the easy one to beat if we can get him in as the nominee. And uh, once he became the nominee, then they after him. And so right. I, so I hope people are starting to see that the media is not your friend in no. any form. They, they are so divisive. The media is, is, you know, and Trump said it, and he got a lot of flack for it, but the media is one of the biggest enemies to our, our way of life. And it's, it's scary. Uh, because people believe it, they buy it. There's a lot of, of uh, you know, you, I guess you call uninformed voters. There's a lot of people out there who they just suck it up, and it's really scary because it's just it's either it's untrue or it's skewed or it's taken out of context. And the fact that you have so many people in our country who for believe that Trump was a Nazi or any of this stuff yeah. is just crazy. And the comparison is, is gross and it's, it should never happen. And I, I just, they're losing on all the important issues. So that's the stuff they revert to. And 
they keep doing it because it works. And I really wish it would, but it does. And we just saw it in the midterm. It worked. Yeah. Yeah, it did. In fact, the midterm, there was, I mean, so let's talk about the elections. We still, in Utah, it's now Friday. Elections were four days ago. We still have races in Salt Lake County that have not been called. That's ridiculous. The uh-huh. longer that it takes for votes to be counted, the more questions can be raised about the security and the integrity of an election. Right. If Florida and Texas and Ohio can call a race on election night, what is our problem here in Utah? Okay. And they've been able to, I mean, I don't know why the legislature has bent over backwards to allow people to mail a ballot the day before when everyone knows even the two-day customary rule for, for mail is two days. But they're saying, no, the day before. Go ahead and mail it the day before, and then it won't be there on election day. And, and it's not like people have don't have ample time. Three weeks. You are giving your ballot three weeks before the election. And, right. and if you can't get your ballot in by then, like, wow. Um, it, it, it makes it so hard. It makes it scary because any throughout history, throughout any country that's corrupt, the longer you wait to know the results, the more ability there is for fraud or waste or any type of abuse of the elections. And it's so sketchy. I mean, do you remember when Burgess Owens won here in, in Salt Lake? How long mm-hmm. it took for that? Yes. I mean, it was like weeks. It, it went up until that little two week window. And, and what happened this last time is Utah County, they were always dumping their stuff. And then Salt Lake would, oh, okay, now we'll dump our stuff. They were waiting for what Utah County was doing. And then Utah County last time said, nope, we're going to wait till you dump your stuff. And then we'll dump our stuff, you know, our ballots. And so they, you know, there's been this kind of tactic of we'll wait and see how many votes he got in Utah County. Then we'll release the Salt Lake County votes. Why? Why is there this delay and we have to wait and see what they do and then we'll drop our ballot? You're seeing that happen down in Arizona right now. And that's be, that whenever you're manipulating things, there's a problem. And the way to, you know, my idea would be, you know, no universal mail-in ballots. Now, people want to vote by mail, fine. Go ahead and sign up. You've got to show ID. Okay, so there's an identification made on the front end, fine, go ahead and get your ballot by mail, but it has to be signed up for each election. Okay, it's not automatic. And so there's some accountability as far as that ballot was really asked for by a live voter that lives in the state of Utah. Okay, Mm -hmm. so I'm fine with that, but we need a cutoff of like a week before election day. And then if they miss that cutoff, they can still vote. They can drop it off at the voting station. I mean, you just can't put it through the mail. Okay. There's a deadline. And I don't understand why our legislators have allowed that process to stay in place. It's ridiculous. So I'm hoping I'm throwing out some seeds, Trevor. I'm hoping there there can be a bill that comes through that changes the deadline for mail-in ballots to be postmarked. That's all we have to do. It's a simple fix. And then we're not waiting these two weeks after for these little trickles to come in. Right. Um, I'm going to actually put a note on here for that. Yeah. I mean, these are just tiny little things that can be tweaked 
that still give everybody their mail-in ballots, but it just doesn't have to be the day before election day because you can still drop off your ballot at a voting location, even on election day. So that's that to me is a simple, simple fix. But um, I'm curious about uh, with, I mean, up in Davis County, let's talk about Davis County. So are there other new legislators besides yourself? I, unfortunately, I know, oh my gosh, well, there is one in Centerville. However, um, it's a very moderate candidate, unfortunately. Um, Paul Cutler, uh, he is new. And so we'll give him the benefit of the doubt. You know, he ran as a Republican, ran as a conservative. So we just need to see if he follows up with how he campaigned. Okay, so we do need to give him the benefit of the doubt. He's been on city council. He's been mayor. But um, uh, unfortunately, we've got Ray Ward coming back. And um, the, the, uh, the new candidate that we have, um, Davis County, and it's also considered part of Weber, is Katie Hall. And she is fantastic. Oh, yes. Yes. Katie is really great. I've come really close with her. She is, she is a great voice for conservatism. She beat out Kelly Miles, who changed Dixie State University. Um, <laughs> yeah, so yeah. I that's a very that's a shining spot there that we have in what some of the other bright spots. And this isn't necessarily Davis County because besides uh, Katie and I, uh, I mean, you know, Paul's new, but you have in Salt Lake, Anthony won, flipped a Democrat seat to Republican. Um, Oh, and Quinn and, Cotter. And Quinn Cotter. And they're both conservatives. These aren't like moderate guys. They won. And they're yeah. big time conservatives. So that's yeah. huge. Uh, then we had uh, Tim Jimenez went out in Twila and he, ta- he took Doug Sager's spot. And he is as solid as they come. Tim yes. is just an absolute stud. Um, you have Bridger Bollinger as well out in Twila. He's a stud. That's another new seat. So uh, then you have the new. Uh, spot that was out in i want to say eagle mountain area it's uh kristen oh yes uh grisham or yes she is fantastic too there's another solid conservative uh so you know all these new freshmen who are coming in that i am uh that i've been talking with and we've been going to caucus at the capitol i mean there's another solid almost eight to ten votes yes plus the body you've got another two or three down in St. George, these were guys that ran yep. on the whole Dixie thing, changing the name and, and pushing back against the woke culture. And they got yep. elected. You have, yes, you have that. Uh, there's also J, uh, J1 in, um, it's like almost the daybreak South Jordan area. I can't remember Jay's last name. He's a lawyer. He is fantastic too. I mean, they're all great. Uh, I like Colin, Colin Jack who won. He's really solid on the energy when it comes to making sure we don't push too far to the to the green side of things. Uh-huh. Uh, yeah, there the, the really is a solid list of of great legislators. None of the big conservatives either that I really have have looked up to have lost. Uh, Phil Lyman solidly won his seat. Mike Peterson yeah. won up in cash. Uh, I mean, it's just right. we could have some really really good legislators, and I'm super excited to see the what we house, can we can get done. The house looks fantastic. It really yep. does. With this many new um, new people, plus the ones that were already in there, it, you've got a really large 
body now. And it's interesting how that energy, when you caucus, can kind of shift and change the whole body because you've got people that are going to be espousing principles of Constitution and the party, the Republican Party platform, you know. And so I'm, I'm really excited about the House. The Senate, unfortunately, um, pretty well state status quo. Yeah, Senate um, hasn't changed at all. No seat was changed there. Um, and, and, and it's, it's hard, and, and I, I like a lot of the senators, but, you know, for example, SB 54. We have passed it in the House three times to get mm-hmm. rid of it. But every time it gets to the Senate, it gets crushed. And, and I hope that we can have a good working relationship with the senators this time, that, you know, we're, we're working together on a lot of these important bills instead of trying to squash each other's legislation. And, and I think we can do it. I, I've talked with a lot of the senators. I, I still think there's a lot more good than there is that I disagree with in there. And we can, mm-hmm. we can really get some good stuff done. And especially when the House is so overwhelmingly um, has, has a consensus on things, I think it shows that we're unified. And that can help, too, to show, hey, Senate, you know, step up your game, guys. Like, let's work together. Obviously, right. there's a huge group of, of, of House members who want this. And I think we can do it. I think I really am excited. I know it's not the best in the world, but we're going we're gonna to work together. And we're going to get things done. Yeah, I'm, I'm really optimistic going forward that there's going to be some shifting of, uh, uh, you know, the people have spoken, they've, they have voted and, and uh, elected you and these other uh, representatives. And, uh, you know, people are, they're concerned about the way things have been going, you know, in our education system, in the the culture, you know, promoting um, ideologies that um, have no place in the classroom whatsoever. Oh, okay. So the other race we have to throw in here really quickly is Christina Boggess. Yes. Oh my she gosh. Won. Oh my goodness. And I've had her on the show a couple of times, but if any of the school board, oh, there's some really good ones that won. I mean, uh, Emily down in um, San Pete County area, I ran her election during convention. Holy cow, she's great. Okay, so we've got um, Joe Carey. um, uh, Of course, we have Natalie Klein. And um, oh, my goodness, her name's going blank. That just got reelected. Yeah, she's up in the Morgan area. And we, Logan. Oh, Jenny Earl. Jenny. Yeah. So, Jenny, I mean, there's like six or so good. Before, we've only had like two two or three. Now we have like six. And I, we were and hoping I, to get seven. I know we, we don't know, but I, I think Leanne Wood will do good too. Uh, you know, I, I wanted Melanie to win, but I think I've talked to Leanne quite a bit. I think Leanne's going to do a good job and she can help out on the school board, especially now that the majority is, is solid. There's yeah. You've got these new people that have come in that are super principled and they're there to protect families. They're there to honor the constitution of the state and of our country. And so, and then Christina is like her mind, her brain is. She is the perfect candidate. I am so oh happy goodness. with her. She, yes. she worked so hard for that race. Um, he did. And that is such a bright spot coming out of Salt Lake. And I yes. couldn't be happier with that. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and, they're, and Chris, they're going to come after her. They're going to come after all these members. I mean, yes. Natalie, they have, they have done so much to attack that. 
uh, woman. It is unbelievable. And they're going to do the same with Christina. And I just hope they can stay strong and unified and, and parents realize what they're doing to help their kids. I really, really hope that. So, well, and Christina, she's tough. I mean, yeah. um, and, and it's harder when there's several of them. It's not just like Natalie and Jenny, you know what I mean? There's like, there's, um, there's five or six of them now. And so that makes it harder to just like, Oh, we've got to go after just one or two It's no, there's a bunch. And now they can be influencers and others that may have been, you know, I know my former, uh, Laura Belknap, she, she just wasn't grounded. I mean, she could be influenced both ways. And sometimes they just need more of that, um, hearing the correct principle and they're like, Oh, okay. Yes. That's where I need to go. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And so I think that's going to help the school board immensely. So I was super pleased in Salt Lake County with that win. And then with Quinn and these others that were able to flip, we were able to flip three, um, seats to Republican and, you know, and they're conservative Republicans. That's what's so exciting. Uh-huh. You know, so yeah, I'm really looking forward to this um, upcoming legislative session. In my particular district in Salt Lake, I was super disappointed only because we had an amazing candidate. Dan Sorensen was running yeah. um, for the Senate, and this guy is phenomenal, just solid conservative. And instead, now we've got probably one of the most radical Dems representing us. And so yeah. we're just going to have to keep the pressure on her. She's even being she got voted into leadership um, oh, right no. out the gate, which is unusual because I mean, she's been over in the house for a while, but you know, when you come into that Senate body, she's um, been voted into leadership. But um, so that was really disappointing. We were hoping with redistricting and with the climate of, you know, craziness going on that perhaps a Republican could pick up a seat, but um they didn't get a lot of help from the Senate, I just must say. Um, the help they finally did get was after the ballots had been mailed. And when you're running for office, you need help on the front end, mm-hmm. not after ballots have been shipped in the mail to be voting, because then people are voting you know, right. at that point. But, but regardless, um, I, I was really pleased that uh, Dan stepped up to the plate, and he did a phenomenal job. He campaigned hard. But it's just, he's, it's just a tough part of Salt Lake. You know, he's more Mill Creek and, and uh, the closer you get to Salt Lake City, it's just tough for a, a conservative to win. Uh-huh. It is. And uh, like I said, even, even as, as tough as it was, I'm, I'm excited with the results overall. The fact that we yeah. picked up three seats was huge. And yeah. uh so yeah. I that's earlier, that's why I said, you know, Utah really did have their own red wave because we were able to get some new legislators in who have um, who are more principled with following the platform, with following Constitution. And uh, so I think we're going to see some big changes that um, it makes it exciting. Yes. Yeah. Very, very I, exciting. I, I, I'm optimistic, uh, Chris. I. I wasn't so much before I decided to run, but I, I'm I'm really optimistic now, and uh, and I even I even I even can say that coming from my own area. I mean, my constituents are super excited that we in Davis County now have a solid conservative in our area, and I, you know I'll represent them well. and And it was kind of a sore spot for a long time, 
I mean, you'd even talk to other people like what's going on in Davis County. And uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> my area is now solidified. And, and I think it's going to go really well moving forward. We're going to get some good legislation passed. Yeah. And it's, it's a breath of fresh air to know that, hey, I can make a difference for my area and stop having to attack my legislator who, I wouldn't say attack, but always disagree with. You know, I lived up in Davis County until about eight years ago. And when I was up there, uh, I was the chair of the party for a term. But I remember reading about Davis County as being one of the most conservative counties in the whole United States. Wow. And yes. And so then I'm looking at the representation. I lived in Bountiful at the time and I'm going, well, how is this possible? If this is so conservative, why do I have such a radical, um, oh gosh, who did I have? I had Cheryl Allen for a while, who was UEA candidate. And then um, Jim Nielsen was much more moderate. So he wasn't as um, liberal, but I mean, Ray Ward was a Democrat, and when he ran, I vetted him, and he donated to Obama and moved here from California, California Democrat, moved to Utah, changed his letter to an R, and and uh, he's been able to get reelected ever since. But they poured a boatload into his campaign, too. I mean, um, the Miller family, um, they, yeah, there was a lot of uh, special interests that wanted Ray Ward to keep that seat up in, in, um, Bountiful. But, um, but, uh, you know, I'm just super, super pleased with, uh, the way the outcome turned out, especially, uh, with Mike Lee. And again, I think we've experienced a lot of the underbelly of Utah, but we're back and we're done here on the Liberty lineup. Thank you, Trevor. Thank you, Chris. I really appreciate you having me on. All right.